Hi, I'm Hathaway Hester, manager of the Association Archives at National Association of Realtors and chair of Chicago Area Archivists. Today I'm here with Joe Coates, university archivist at Purdue University Northwest in Indiana. Hi, Joe. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I am so excited to be speaking with one of our Indiana constituents from CAA. Yeah, there's not too many of us, but we are there, and uh, I thought it'd be a nice opportunity to come up and, and say welcome from, from Northwest Indiana. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, and you're the university archivist at Purdue's Northwest campus. Yes, yes. And can you tell me what the university archives collects? Oh, well, uh, yeah. So just a little backstory. Um, it started out as two separate institutions. They were both founded in the late 40s. And they were set up to work with the steel mills and the industry in the area, do all the technical uh, things. And in 2016, the campuses combined. They were two separate places. Before, in 2016, we became Purdue University Northwest. And since then, we've actually established the archive in our Westville campus. And primarily what we collect is the history of the university, the history of the faculty, the students, the staff, really anything that involves the university and the surrounding area. And we are branching out a little bit more into the, the community as a whole because it's something that isn't done as much as it should be. So we're starting to move out into the community a little bit. A lot of faculty minutes, a lot of course catalogs, news releases, all that, uh, photographs, all that normal university stuff that you would mm -hmm. have, yeah. Now, I've always been in the business world, mm -hmm. and what would be a normal way to handle this in the business world, if you have headquarters and then you have a satellite office, there's just one archives. Right. So this is actually very intriguing to me that okay. there are multiple archives throughout Purdue University. Sure. So um, Purdue has four campuses, I believe. Uh, they have the campus in Indianapolis that they share with Indiana University. They have the main campus in West Lafayette that have their own archive. Purdue Fort Wayne have their own archive, and then we have our own so anything that's generated out of our either of our institutions, we we have at our own location. There's not really a lot of overlap either. It's basically really once in a while we'll send for information down to West Lafayette, but they have very little of what we really need. They focus on their own. We focus on our own. So you work yeah. with the faculty there at your campus, and you have very separate collecting areas. I would imagine. Yes. Well. Yes. Because of our unique history and our the, the fact that our campuses are about 40 miles apart, we really have two archives and three repositories. So the way it works is anything that was generated at Purdue North Central historically is stored there. Anything at Calumet, the Purdue University Calumet, is stored there. But now we have this new entity of Purdue Northwest and a lot of it's coming out, uh, most of it's digital now. So a lot of the collecting areas that we have are all digital native collections. And then the faculty sort of choose, well, if I worked in Westville for 30 years, I'd prefer my papers to be stored there. So 
there's a little bit of politicking with it also to kind of keep people happy. But it works. It works for us. So, yeah, it is a little unique compared to most places where you have one archive for one thing and that's it. So, yeah. And you were mentioning to me um, when we were talking earlier that you also teach. Yes. um, Over the summer, we did an independent study for writing and research, and we focused primarily on the history of Northwest Indiana or archival issues. So it was a little bit of a hybrid. We only had four students. This semester, we're teaching a uh, myself and a professor from the communication department and a professor from the history department are teaching a class on oral history. So it's a pilot program. We have eight graduate students, and we'll see how it works. So they're they're a little bit scared because they have to go and interview people, but they should they should be fine. It should be all right. Yeah, you can see how they feel awkward. interviewing now you know this is the first time I've been interviewed so I can see why they would be apprehensive for it so yeah (laughs) so that could presumably become a a larger program depending on how it goes yes um my goals and I share these with the history department and the university as a whole is a lot of time when students get a history degree get a communication degree get something they don't really know what they want to do and Going into archives or taking a class in public history or in in archival issues at least gives them an idea of what's out there. They can either learn that they really like it or they really don't like it, which is a good option either way before, you know, you spend the money on graduate school and realize that this is not for you. And it gives them real-world practical experience, uh, experiential learning for, for them. So that's the big goal overall, and then we would like to, to have a uh, at least like a public history option because there aren't too many places that really specialize in public history in the area. So that would be an area for growth, at least in, in northwest Indiana. So I think it'd be beneficial. So, And tell me a little bit about your background. Do you have a history background? Oh, I have a strange background. Let's um, hear it. Yeah. So I, uh, I went to college in I started at 18 and ended at 19 my first time around. Uh, Then I went into the military. Um, I did that and realized that I didn't want to do that either. I was in the Navy uh, for uh, seven years total. And I got out and um, I started as a secondary education major. I was going to teach world history, uh, government, and economics. And at the time, the state of Indiana had a requirement for anybody in secondary education, you had to take a course on Indiana history. And it was taught by the archivist at Indiana University Northwest. Uh, His name is Steve McShane. And I walked over to his office and looked around and he gave us a tour of the archive. And I thought, wait, I can I can do this for a living. Like this is (laughs) this is something that people do. And he said, oh, yeah, go get a library science degree and start looking. So that's how I ended up getting into it. I begged and begged for an internship. I worked with him for about a year and a half. And right before I graduated, I got a call from a local small Catholic university asking me, or or they they said that we have a grant. We're going to start an archive. We want an archivist. And he said, well, you know, my undergraduate assistant's graduating. I wanted to talk to him. So I worked there one day a week. And it turned into full-time doing archive, reference, 
veteran services, all, you know, when you work at a small university, you have that. And then about five years ago, I took the opportunity and, and went to Purdue. So I've been doing this since 05, 06 in some capacity, either as an undergraduate assistant or as a, you know, now university archivist. So yeah, I had no idea that this is something that you could do and happy I found it, you know, <laughs> so mm-hmm. that, that was kind of nice. Yeah. So it started as a grant position, presumably just temporary. Yes, it was uh, every Thursday I worked there. Um, it was a grant for $20,000. That was supplies and my salary. And I worked 30 hours a week at a local public library as their branch manager. And it was three sides of it. Well, two sides of it was a cornfield. Across the street from me was a dairy. And next door to me was the and on the parking lot side was the county cemetery. So it was a quarter, I think it was a, a mile from town. It was just sort of, it was a new building. It was a really nice building. It was, mm-hmm. it was kind of a nice job, too. I, I enjoyed that. But, yeah, working six days a week for two and a half years or so was was enough. When the opportunity came to move two, three days a week and then eventually full time, I took every opportunity. And I'm glad I did. You know, it, it ended up panning out for me in the end. So that was kind of a relief now that I look at it. Mm-hmm. And a it lot sounds of luck like, involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is a lot of luck involved in this there career. Is. Yes. I know so many people who have gone from grant position to grant position, and it, it can be really hard to find that full-time job for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. My, my worst case scenario, I thought about it and I thought, well, you know, I do live in Indiana. There's a lot of smaller rural libraries and, you know, doing reference there or even applying uh, for a director position somewhere. Usually they look for people with a MLS, a little bit of management position, somebody who knows something about a leaky roof and that kind And I I had worked in the trades between the military and working there at the archive. I worked midnights at at a local hospital doing general maintenance and going to college. So that was kind of the plan. And I thought, well, Worst case scenario, I'll end up a librarian. It's not a bad gig. So I figured, okay, we'll we'll jump in. We'll do this. And through much perseverance from my wife and children, <laughs> while I was going to graduate school as a cranky adult with a full-time job, it, it did pan out for us. So thank goodness. <laughs> and what, what do you like about the archives profession? Like what draws you to it? I like being able to find answers for people. You get a lot of the, you know, it's it's almost a challenge when they have something strange that you, you, you look for. And I also like the fact that I'm helping to preserve uh, the history of the institution because the way that our university started, it was a very, very local, very almost like what they used to call a, like a commuter campus. You know, you drive in, go to class at night, drive home. And that preserving that history helps to preserve the history of the area too. So that that's, I tr- you know, I, as corny as it sounds, you, you after you process a collection or scan some photos or, or whatever it is that you're doing, you want to make sure that you're leaving a little bit of information in a little bit better condition than you left it for the long term doesn't do a lot of good to have things in boxes. You have to know what's in the boxes. You have to make sure the boxes, you know, at minimum have a 
poor inventory of it to know in general what's in there. So that's that's kind of my goal is to make sure that I'm leaving it a little bit better than uh, than I left it the day before. So it's it's rewarding. It's really rewarding to be able to, especially at a university, it's really when you have students that want to do research and you have students that, you know, this could be their calling. They can be pivotal in, in preserving the history of something. And if, if I'm able to help them through deciding to be an archivist or deciding to go into museum studies or something like that, there's a lot of job satisfaction in that. And that's a big part of it, Work, especially, you know, working with students. That's, that's really my thing I like most about being a university archivist, yeah. What are some new directions you have for the university archives? We've got a couple things that we've done recently. We're working to create an oral history program. We're trying to talk to retirees. We did have a large digitization project. We digitized all the student newspapers and all the course catalogs and all the institutional self-studies. We went through the Internet Archive for that, and that was a, a great experience because we get a lot of questions on things like newspaper articles and, oh, what, I took a class in 1986 and, and I need to know what this was for graduate school. So we were answering a lot of those. It's a little bit disappointing for students when they see that, you know, a chemistry class in 1946 cost $18 instead of, you know, whatever it is now. Moving towards the digitization and Moving into the community, we're trying to work with some of the steelworker groups and some of the labor groups to get their history. I feel as if we've reached the point where we've, we need to start branching out, not just from what we do, but into the community to help out local historical societies, things like that. So we're really working to get that done. Getting them to trust you is kind of, you know, is a hard thing. They feel as if they're they're giving up their great treasures and, and that. So we're working on it. Hopefully it'll, it'll turn out okay. But yeah, that's really about it. If you've never been there, come out and visit. Okay. Uh, we've got, uh, if you're into Frisbee golf, our Westville campus is absolutely beautiful. Big Frisbee golf area. Stop by and visit. I will. Thank you. <laughs> sure. Thank you so much for joining me today, Joe. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was nice talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Chicago Area Archivist COA podcast. We would like to thank our gracious interviewees, the Chicago Area Archivist Steering Committee, Engineer Allison Shine Holmes, WFMT, and the Project Chair Danielle Nowak for their time and efforts. To hear more, you can find both Season 1 and 2 of the COA podcast available on YouTube. For more information on the Chicago Area Archivists, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or our website, chicagoarchivists.org.